Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 46. Today, I'll be interviewing picture book author Valerie Bowling. Valerie has been an educator for over 25 years and a writer since age four. She's a graduate of Tufts University and Columbia University Teachers College and currently works as an instructional coach with middle and high school teachers. In addition to writing picture books, Valerie writes a monthly memo for teachers that she publishes on Twitter, and she has been published in National Writing Projects Quarterly, The Family Writing Project Builds a Learning Community in Connecticut, and NESCBWI News. The article is Microaggressions Don't Feel Micro. Recently, she had a poem accepted for publication by Cricket Media. Um, and for more information, go to her website, which is ValerieBowling.com. You could also follow her on Twitter at ValerieBowling and on Instagram, ValerieBowlingAuthor. And um, you could also follow her Instagram book, the Instagram account for her book, Let's Dance Book. So thank you so much for being here today, Valerie. I'm really excited for you to talk about your new book, Let's Dance. Thank you, Becca. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, so the first thing that I wanted to ask you is just to give a little bit um, of a synopsis of your picture book, Let's Dance. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. So the short answer is Let's Dance celebrates dances from around the world and the diverse children who enjoy them. That's really um, what the book is about. A bit of a longer answer is that I wrote this book just because I wanted to have fun with dance because so many people enjoy dance and I wanted to just show the joy in dance. And I knew that I, I felt that there was a great opportunity to connect dance with diversity. And so I had explained to my editor, Jess Negron at Boyd's Mills and Kane, that I wanted the book to be reflective of different children. I wanted particular um, representation of children who are marginalized, children who may not often be seen in books. And she absolutely agreed with me. However, what she did, Becca, that was even better is she saw an opportunity in my words to have a more global theme in the book. And she saw that some of my words could be connected to actual dances uh, from other cultures. So for instance, the first thing she did was she asked me to take the manuscript and identify a particular dance for each stanza because I didn't have illustrator notes in the manuscript. There was only one illustrator note at the end which said the sheep are dancing. Um, so I, on the last page, so I didn't have any other notes. So she asked me to go through and do that. So for instance, for the first words of the book, tappity tap, fingers snap, I saw that as tap dance. And she said that could actually be flamenco. Another page glide and slide side to side. 
I saw is something like the electric slide or the cha-cha slide. And she saw that as Chinese long sleeve dancing. So the book does celebrate diversity in terms of if you'll, you, there are a lot of kids of color in the book, which I wanted. You'll see someone who's blind in the book, someone who's in a wheelchair. So um, there's definitely diversity represented, but it's even diversity around the world. Yeah, it's so it's so beautiful. It's thank you. No, it really is. I mean, it's it's like you know the, the text and the the illustration just go together so well, and I, I just love the different you know the diversity of it. You know, from different cultural backgrounds, and I love the fact that you represent you know people who have disabilities as well because I feel like that's also something that that kids don't often see in picture mm. books. Yes. Um, and like I always said, like I always, you know, say in my podcast and on my website that, um, you know, so many kids, like they look when they're reading picture books or they're reading any sort of books, they're trying to identify with the character. And, you know, dance is so cultural. And I think that there's so many great um, triggers for conversation here with kids because you already named dances that I don't even know about. Right. Absolutely. So that would really prompt, you know, kids to learn more about specific dances. So, you know, picture books, you know, a lot of people think that picture books are just for younger kids. But, you know, I learn information from picture books. Yeah. Like I, I find out things that I've never learned about. And um, I always think of like books as works of art, you know, uh, picture books. And, you know, your book is just it's, it's gorgeous. And I, th I also love, cause you can't, cause you know, this is a podcast that you won't be able to see it unless you saw Valerie's book, but the, the actual, um, text is almost like moving across the page. Like it's almost like dancing as well, which I think is super cool. Thank you. And that was another idea that Jess had. She decided to, instead of using a more typical typeface, she decided to use calligraphy. And she said that she was actually inspired to do that because in earlier sketches that Maine had done, Maine Diaz, the illustrator, she sort of, you know, wrote on each page just to keep track of which page was pit, which page was which. And Jess so enjoyed just her artistic writing. So not only were Maine's illustrations so beautiful, but even her handwriting. So she said they were going to hire a calligrapher for the book. And if you notice, again, unfortunately, listeners aren't able to see it right now. So listeners, I guess you'll just have to pick up a copy of the book so you can actually see what we're talking about. But exactly. um, the writing in each spread as well is different. So the calligraphy is not consistent throughout, just as each dance is different. The writing, the words for each dance is different and actually uh, is connected to the dance itself. And there's also different forms of, I mean, as far as like, you know, script versus, you know, capital letters. Versus right. Capital. So, I mean, I know because, you, you know, you're an educator. And so, you know, just for me also as an educator, like I always just kind of look at those different texts. And I think it's a great tool for parents to kind of just show their children as well, just to kind of, you know, increase just their awareness of text. I think uh -huh. just noticing the difference in, in the text throughout it, but just how it moves 
moves along with the different movements and it moves along with the page is really, really nice. So, so what, I'm just curious kind of what inspired you to write the book because, you know, I, I'm assuming that you must love dancing. Um, but I was just curious about how the, the thought of the book came about. Sure. So yes, I do love dancing. I I love to move. I love to be active. And what I've noticed, um, Becca, is that most people do enjoy dancing. Now, you can never say everyone, uh, but most people do. And I notice this at different ages. If you put music on, little babies start to move. Um, you know, they'll sort of sway side to side. Uh, older kids will do the same. In fact, uh, my nieces as well provided uh, inspiration for this book because they love to dance. And I actually wrote this book when they were uh, two and four years old. They're now five and seven. Um, and they love to dance as well. I mean, we put music on and they start to dance. They dance while brushing their teeth. Um, so I, I see that as well. And just, you know, you go to a party, you go to a wedding and there are lots of people on the dance floor. And so I just thought, why not write a book about something that most people do. And regardless, again, of your ability, of your race, of your gender, people can dance, people move. Um, and so that was really I, I, the inspiration. I just wanted to do something fun and something that would bring joy. And that's why I had fun. You know, I talked about how the pictures and the calligraphy that was used uh, kind of go together. And I really, my words as well were about fun. And that's why they're short and they're snappy and they're rhyming. The, the book is actually only 60 words long, uh, the actual text of the book. And then there's back matter at the end, which I was asked by Jess to write a two sentence description of each dance. So that's at the end of the book. So as you said earlier, Becca, it will inspire uh, children or children along with their parents to do further research about the dances if there's something they're interested in. And actually one blogger uh, wrote about how with her children, they also went on YouTube and found videos of different dances in the book. So, um, so to know that the book is being used in those ways that are both fun and educational is, is just wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, like if I was doing this with my kids, I would definitely do the same thing. I'd want to go on YouTube and, um, just sort of see how, what that dance is like and kind of, you know, and kind of, and the kids would have a good time just sort of emulating that. But I also think it's a great, uh, teaching tool, you know, for, for a teacher. Yes. It's a great read aloud because it gets the kids up and moving. I think that's one of the things that when you're reading aloud, you know, that I think what's so wonderful is when you could incorporate movement into a book, into a read aloud. Mm -hmm. And, and what your book does is that it just, I mean, that's exactly what it does. It makes you want to get up and move. So do you have any tips for teachers when reading this book about kind of getting, let's say, like a group of kids to get up and moving? 
It's interesting you ask that, uh, Becca, because I actually had a conversation with my mentor this week. I don't know if you know, but I'm actually a We Need Diverse Books mentee. I actually found out about that in January, and I feel so fortunate not only to have been selected to be a part of this wonderful mentorship program, but I also... Uh, got my preferred mentor, who is Kelly Starling Lyons, who's just a beautiful author. And one of the things she said to me is she said, have you created a teacher's guide for your book? And I said, no, I haven't. So we said in our next conversation, we will uh, talk about that. So hopefully I'll have even more ideas for you in the future. But uh, in terms of for actually with Let's Dance, a couple of ideas that I have are, first of all, you can always play music. And um, excuse me, I was actually um, with one of my uh, friends the other day, we created a playlist that we plan to play at my launch event, which is March 7th at a local library. And all of the songs we picked have the word dance in them. So uh, I think it's going to be pretty fun. (laughs) So anyway, that would be something where, you know, you could just put on, I mean, obviously there's the David Bowie song, Let's Dance, and you could put that on and kids could move. Um, I think with each word, with, um, with each page, kids could act out the actual word. So what does tappity tap look like? Snap, fingers snap. They could actually make those movements, glide and slide, side to side. What does that look like? You know, wiggle hips, spin, dip, dip. So they could actually have fun interpreting the words with their own movement. So those are a couple of things, um, you know, connected to the book uh, in general. But the other thing I wanted to say, Becca, is while my book clearly promotes movement, I think as educators, you don't even need my book to promote movement. I think it's important just to even have kids sometimes just stand up and do a lap around the room or, you know, do some stretching. Um, There are a number of ways we can get kids moving and um, sort of giving them those brain breaks in the classroom. And, And I just think that's important because in some classes, I think kids just sit too long. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you. Even when I'm teaching my graduate classes, I tell the students, I'm like, to feel free to get up and take a movement break because no one could sit that long. You right. know? I mean, we all need movement breaks. We all need to kind of get up and walk around. And I think for kids, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because the older kids, you know, when you're in middle school, you're getting up and you're walking between classes. And I think that really helps a lot as far as those movement breaks. But with the little kids, it's true, kind of just getting up and especially when they're sitting down and they're listening to a book, I think it really increases engagement. Um, you know, when they're just kind of getting up and moving and, you know, they're also kind of feeling that, you know, you're, let's say like you're going through one dance and then you're, you know, you're making different sounds, you're, you know, you're dancing. And it also, I think for kids, they're going to remember that a lot more because they're going to remember, let's say a specific word on the page to a dance that they did. So the, the other idea that I had too, is I feel like it's also a really good exercise for, for vocabulary because, Let's just say going to, let's say, one of your pages over here, 
zigzag, um, zigzag zig, mm-hmm. right? Like, what is that? Like, just kind of using some words for kids to describe, like, what does that mean? You know, you're saying side to side. Does that mean up and down? Does that mean what does zigzag mean? to somebody and what it means to one person may mean something different to another. So it's, it's kind of cool. And the other thing too, if like, let's say if a parent and they have uh, children of different ages, when you're reading the book for older kids, you know, just, you know, we were talking about researching dances a little bit more, but also culturally talking about where those dances started and why, you know, you know, and, and let's say why they named it a certain name or even comparing and contrasting. Um, you know, talking about the different dances, what makes them similar, what makes them different? Um, I don't know, because dances are so important, um, you know, in certain events or certain cultures. And um, it's just such a good opportunity to, to learn more information about it. Absolutely. So, you know, your ideas are really great, Becca. If I could, um, I wanted to just share something because you mentioned zigzag zig. And there's an interesting story I, I'd like to share, if I may. Oh, sure. Um, when I wrote those words, I had had something very specific in my mind, Becca. I was at a wedding. I was actually at a wedding of a former student and her cousin was there and he was in a wheelchair. He'd been born with cerebral palsy. He was a wonderful young man. I actually spent uh, quite a bit of time chatting with him. He was uh, studying for his PhD. He had come over from France, which is where he lived. And he was on the dance floor in his wheelchair, leaned back, lifting up the um, the front part of his wheelchair. So the front legs or wheels were up and he was literally zigzag zigging, like turning <laughs> the wheelchair from left to right. And that is where those words came from. And so when I wrote those words, um, jiggity jig, zigzag zig, I was thinking of Ben. And so I had said to Jess, on this page, in fact, again, when she asked me to um, write what I expected to see, I said, I want someone in a wheelchair on this page. Now, what's interesting is she saw in those words, Irish step dancing, and there's no one in a wheelchair on that page, but I got it on another page. She put it on the disco spread, uh, boogie down to the ground. There's a, um, there's a young man in a wheelchair on that one. So um, it, it's just, it's an interesting, I, I think it's interesting to share. I hope your listeners will think so as well. I think so, because I think it just shows different perspective. What you think of zigzag is different than somebody else. Yeah. So that's the thing is that these words kind of mean, can mean lots of different things, to different people. The other thing I also want to bring up too, is that for kids who are struggling um, with reading, I also think that the, the words in your book are, you know, definitely like earlier sounds. So it's easier for kids to sound them out. And I think a lot of times kids, you know, they get frustrated if they can't read a book because it has too much text. Of course. What I love about your book is that they could really learn these words quickly. They could read them and they could really follow along with the book. And, you know, it's, I just think it makes the whole experience even better. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, mention that for any parents of kids with any sort of like, you know, reading disabilities, um, I would definitely see this book being something like really useful. Um, because yeah. it's not, because the thing is also is that it doesn't have a ton of text 
but has a lot of, there's so many wonderful things to talk about within each page. So you don't need that much text to have like a lot, to have a lot to talk about within a book because, because the text kind of, I don't know, it's, it's small words, but it means a lot. Thank you for sharing all that, Becca. And actually, um, there are a number of teachers have seen it and they were saying that this would be great for struggling readers. This would also be great for students who are learning how to speak English, who come from another country, particularly because it's possible that their country is even represented in the book, um, or if not, perhaps a, a, a culture similar to theirs. So it immediately, um, you know, there's a way for them to connect because they see people who look like them or may look like them. Because I know with our population, our English language learners in our district, where are they from? They're from Spanish speaking countries. And so in the book, you have um, cha-cha from Cuba represented. You have flamenco from Spain represented. Uh, we also have students um, from, uh, from China, from Korea, from Japan, and there is Chinese long sleeve dance. So, you know, maybe if you're Korean or you're, you're Japanese, that's not your culture specifically, but it's certainly closer to your culture than some of the others, or at least you pick up a book and see someone who looks like you. Whereas um, often, I mean, fortunately things are getting better now, but, you know, often the books that are available to kids, they pick them up and they don't see themselves or someone who looks similar to them. Right, right, right. And just what, as you were saying before about, you know, the dances are from different countries, it could also, you know, with regards to, you know, reading this book in a school, stimulate conversation about different countries. Right. If a teacher is doing a lesson on different countries, you know, I mean, it, what's really interesting is talking about like what dances are from different countries. Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like that's kind of like another interesting twist to it. So I always like to kind of think of, you know, using one tool and using it in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. Um, because, you know, as a speech pathologist, you know, we're only we're carrying around a lot of this stuff. Um, and so you have to, you know, when you're deciding what you want to take for the day, you're deciding what you want to use during your session. You know, you I always look at, you know, you can't carry everything. So it's right. like, I always like to have a couple of tools with me that I could use in a lot of different ways. Um, and it kind of just, I just love thinking about how many different ways I could use something. Um, and your books just sort of stimulate so many ideas for me because I, you know, I just like, like we all, like we've just been talking about the past 20 or so minutes. It's really, it's really endless. And I'm sure that there's tons of more ideas that anyone's listening out there. If you want to comment on, um, on the post, but, um, anyway. yeah, I certainly would love to hear ideas as well, because particularly as I'm speaking to different groups of students and I've already begun that and of varying ages, I've spoken to sixth graders and fifth graders one day. And then yesterday I was with first graders and then I actually, um, 
was told yesterday that they might want me to speak to, in my district, a group of high school students. The day that the juniors take the SAT, they need something for the freshmen and sophomores. And so I'm thinking about what I would do there. And I'm thinking on doing um, sort of a presentation around revision and showing different aspects of uh, revision and using earlier samples of or earlier versions of this manuscript versus what the book became and, you know, so forth. So I won't give you all of my ideas, but as soon as I was told yesterday, I was so excited and I immediately came home last night and started taking notes for what would be in the presentation. So yeah, anything that people have to share, I really appreciate. And I appreciate Becca, all that you have been thinking about. And it's such a compliment uh, that you find so many things in the book. And I, I will just say, I love that people love the book, but I cannot and will not take full credit for this. I have to give credit to Jess, who had faith in this book and faith in me and who found Maine to illustrate it. And Maine's illustrations are just amazing. And without those two people, this book would not be what it is. Right. Well, it does take a team, you know, I mean, it really does take when you're writing a book it does take, you know, a team and a, and a real yeah. collaboration to make, to bring your story to life, Absolutely. You know, especially, especially a picture book. I mean, but you know, the collaboration you have with me and, um, and your editor really worked very well because yeah. I just think it's just, it flows very, very well together. So, you know, just congratulations on it. It's just Thank wonderful. You. And so before we end today, is there anything that you wanted to mention before we finish up? Oh, thank you so much for asking. I really, um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure that there's anything in particular. I just do hope that uh, listeners, if this has intrigued you in any way, um, I, I certainly don't want to pressure people into purchasing the book, but I would say at the very least, if you ask your local bookstores or your children's schools or your local library to purchase the books, um, that would be great. And then you can obviously borrow the books. You, you know, you can go into a bookstore and read it, or you can check it out from the library or your child can bring it home from school because I really do just want the book to get in the hands of as many people people as possible. I do realize that I'm biased, but I really do think that this is a book worth reading. And so far, all of the um, the reaction has been positive. I'm not saying there won't be, you know, at some point or someone, you know, they just may not be that into it. Um, and I would accept that. But I, I think it's definitely worth you at least checking it out. So I encourage you to do that in, in whatever way makes sense for you. Well, I, I loved it. When I got it and read it, I just immediately like was connected with it. I, I just felt so it, just, it really is beautiful. So congratulations because it's, it's like a work of art. So Thank you, Becca. And I want to just thank you, of course, and also your listeners for taking time to listen to this podcast. All right. Well, thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. <laughs>